0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fitness Business University, pot, uni, what? University Podcast. Uh, I have two very, very special guests today with me. Um, and as you know, that my inbox is flooded with um, every morning with email saying, Vince, I have a perfect podcast guest for you. It's my long lost uncle, Uncle Omar, and he's going to talk to you about how CBD oil is going to revolutionize the world. And if you give all your gym owners CBD oil, everything in your life will be fine. And that's usually what's in my inbox every morning. Can you be a guest in the podcast? So I have this, it's not really a rule, but I do my own podcast where I speak into a microphone and uh, I got the status of. Um, achieving the second ranked fitness business podcast in the world, which unfortunately, when they brought it out again, I was like kicked to number 18. And all of a sudden, the Riggio Boys. And Dan Goodman, who I'm um, interviewing today, ended up getting higher than me, which is kind of bullshit, <laughs> I think. But I didn't say anything to them until now. But <laughs> anyway, so that's progress, like That's right? what it's I. Progress. Yeah. That's so what this, I, this I entire to get them time on the show, to this tell entire them,
1: time to get us on the podcast was really just to get revenge. Right. Like exactly. <laughs> just
0: like, how did you guys rig the algorithm so badly <laughs> that you were able to skew <laughs> the fitness business universe? So anyway, um, I yeah. only bring guests on that are clients that I've worked with that are doing well and having success. And these guys are certainly uh, doing that. We have Joe Riggio and Dan Goodman from Varsity House Gym and Varsity House Personal Training, which we will tell that story um, in a second. But uh, I've been wanting to have these guys on the show for a long while as they joined SPF Mastermind almost in its uh, infancy when it first started back in the day. Uh, Joe joined and then... Goodman, you know, dragged his feet and said, I don't want to do anything with that gym owner thing. And, you know, he finally, and then he joined uh, finally. But these guys have been uh, not only good friends, but also uh, huge contributors to the group and always helping out, always wound to. I know uh, they're probably the most visited gym in the mastermind that people are all the gym owners in the mastermind are going to varsity house and they want to just spend the day at the uh, you guys get the award for having the coolest gym in the country oh, thank uh, you. i i believe and thank uh so it's it's everyone's in spf when they uh you guys are not that far from uh where we do the mastermind meetings and so so many gym owners they fly in and they spend the day at varsity house and I know you guys are always very hospitable to everybody. So appreciate all you guys do. You guys are great, great gym owners kicking ass in the industry. And uh, it's an honor to have you guys on. Joe, I'm going to let you start. Um, we we only have 45 minutes uh, for yep. the podcast. So we both have things right after. So we're going to get moving here. Uh, but Joe, give us the, the, quick, the quick backstory of uh, Varsity House Gym.
1: Sure. So, you know, I opened the gym in 2006, like most, like just about everybody. I was, you know, an athlete. I, I love training more than anything. I love training. And, you know, I got to the, I got to the point in my education, I had done my master's, I was going to go do a PhD and, and I just said, you know, that's not for me. I can't, I don't want to be in a lab in a, in a school setting anymore. And I kind of, You know, I remember leaving the school and I called my mom and I was like, I'm I'm quitting school and I'm going to open up my own gym. And she lost her mind. And, you know, I I wasn't, I didn't have the money or the means to do that at that time. So I went and worked for, you know, a few years in the industry for a lot of other people and just kind of kept my notebook. Where'd you work? Where'd you work? Almost, uh, all over. Uh, I worked at Precies for like a day and a did half. Did you? Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted, That's I wanted awesome. To work, I wanted to work in the sports performance with Joe. I yeah. would watch Joe and Martin Rooney training people. I'm like, I want to do that. Like, Joe, all the time uh, so, Joe, Joe, Joe DeFranco? DeFranco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I worked there. I worked at a place uh, called Fuel. I worked at a, um, I worked at uh, – at, um what the heck's the name of the place in the city? Chelsea Piers. That was like oh, wow. a big job that I had. I did that oh, for wow. a while, commuting into the city. That and, place is uh, amazing. Oh, yeah, it was unbelievable. And that was when it was just built, too. So it was like super, super cool. And uh, a lot of the smaller places, local places and things like that. I was training kids in a park and, you know, I borrowed up a bunch of money. And in 06, I opened up the first rendition of Varsity House, which was kind of on the side of like a loading dock in a crappy old building that didn't really work that well. Like we all started. Yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) you know, no AC. Barely any heat, you know, like two little hanging lights. It looked like an interrogation room. Right. And uh, it was a little better than that. And, um, and, and, you know, that summer I had already had built up a, a little bit of a reputation in the community, like training kids in the parks, doing speed and agility camps and clinics and stuff like that. And one of the kids referred Dan to me and Dan started training with me uh, as an athlete, and you know, we kind of hit it. How off, far you know?
0: into when you opened that facility did Dan start training with you? He like started that long? summer. So that I summer, up in okay, May. So he new. came
1: in probably like, you know, June, July or something like that, came in for summer training. He had just finished his first year of college. Oh, and, okay. And so he's a college kid when he came Yeah, out. he just finished got his it. first year of college and you know, kind of like, you know, got the like a lot of college kids got a little bit of a rude awakening that first year it was like, wow, this is the step up is big. I need to really dive into my training a little bit so he, and for he, the
0: record if you're watching this on video uh dan played football at the uh but <laughs> uh, he played football for the for the st st louis rams he was but no rhode island
1: yeah so that was it so we started and you know the rest is kind of history we we you know for you know like most gyms we started with just pure work ethic and, and ignorance. And, 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 you know, the only thing that I really studied or looked at or even cared about was the X's and O's of training for the first like three or four years. And then I was out staying my welcome there. I shared the space with another guy who did like basketball skills and drills, mm-hmm. and he had like mostly little kids, and I had ogres, right? So I had you know mostly football <laughs> players and smashing weights, crushing yeah. you know chalk all over the place. And he was like, "Look, man, like you know five, you know Dan would rack four hundred pounds, boom, you know, and he'd have fifteen of his little like you know eight year old basketball kids like jump out the window like terrified and stuff." And I started to get to That's be a rum. And uh, I, he basically told me I had to get the hell out, and that was Dan going into his senior year, uh, fifth year, senior year uh, of college, and we just started chatting about. Said, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, I want to, I'm going to do this regardless. I want to do it with you, you know. You've been my, you know, my friend, mentor, coach, whatever. I really, I, you know, I, I think we could do this, and and so we did. And that winter we started formulating a plan. He was playing. I was remember watching his games on TV. He'd call me after the games. We talk about the business. We kind of started building a business plan. And then uh, that that three years later in 09 is when we moved out of the first facility, moved into the second rendition of Barshay House. Dan was my official partner. We brought in our head coach and GM that you know, big Mike, into that. He was our intern, right? He was a student of mine at Montclair State. I had been adjuncting at that point. Wow. A little so bit. Mike's been there that long. Wow. Mike came in, yeah, Mike came in at the very, very beginning. Like he actually started training with me before, um, and would just come up and like work out with me once in a blue moon at the old facility. And he had taken my uh, class at Montclair. I used to teach I still teach, but he he I was teaching him anatomy and physiology and so forth. and uh, and he was there and 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 that's it, man, the three of us really grinded it out there for a few years. We had some other great coaches that came through during that time um and and built it up slowly. So
0: I, I want to go, go to Dan on this yep. because this is kind of intersecting the story here. So sure. Dan's a Dan, you're a senior in college, right? You're thinking about what you want to do with your life. You're seeing this meathead, you know, opening up a gym. What did you, what did you see? Well, I, I, yeah, it takes <laughs> one to know one, right. Um, <laughs> right. Um, But what did you see in Joe? Like, what did you see in Joe, the process, like what he was doing that made you want to make this your life?
2: That's a tough question there. So, I mean, you know, my exposure to training started, I started training at a place called NVSA. I got a job there actually working the front desk. So I saw the speed school model. Then I transitioned like everybody else. I went and trained at Parisi. I trained with Martin Rooney at Parisi as a 17-year-old high school kid.
0: That's amazing.
2: That's <laughs> and, a did, good, yeah. and did not realize like what it was or the impact that it was making on me as a 17-year-old. Yeah. Young and dumb. Um, Martin moved on, and obviously the training for Warriors thing really took off, and it was pretty far from my house, so there was a gap where... I would come home from school, and I tried going to the speed school. But as you know, it's like, all right, you got to lift, you got to change it up. And at the time on YouTube, it was the tires and the and the trucks and the scientific yeah. approach to training. But nobody was really doing that close to my house, and DeFranco's is pretty far. And I'll never forget, I called Joe, and I could like hear Joe breathing heavily into the phone. He's like, yeah, hello. I was just like uh is this uh is this varsity house he's like yeah what's what's going on <laughs> and, and i'm like hey uh, you know you guys like
0: he, he li- just got done walking to the phone right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i just remember being like do you guys you know do you guys uh, lift and run and flip tires and all that stuff he's like yeah come down for a session went down for a session and i just knew there was something different about that vibe that warehouse vibe that industrial vibe of hard work combined with a scientific approach to training. You have this guy who's, you know, uh, almost an anomaly is like meathead who's a professor with a science background. It's like, all right, well, from a, from a business standpoint, like, I don't know if I was thinking about it from a business standpoint, I was thinking about it from an athletic standpoint. I'm like, this guy can help me. So, every time I would come home, whether it was for a week, a weekend, you know, you don't have a lot of time from, you know, when you're playing college, maybe you got a couple weeks home, but I always knew like training was a priority. And then people started asking me, like, hey, man, where are you training? And I was like, oh, this guy, like this guru, right? I'm learning from this guy and he's really helped me. And my game started improving a lot as well. Mm. And uh, I had a younger brother at the time and I wasn't consciously thinking about making Joe money but naturally it was just throwing him referrals and then people were like dude what like what's going on with your career like you can you train my kid I was like I'm not the guy like this is the guy and it started this pipeline my mom was a school teacher in the area my high school coach started asking me what I had been doing cuz he saw a change and then it started this pipeline where there was you know I started giving a lot of business to Joe, referring a lot of business to Joe. And then I realized I was like, holy shit, like this could be like a real partnership here and um, Hmm. bridge the gap. And I I definitely didn't. And I don't have
1: a plan B. Yeah, yeah,
2: (laughs) it was it was a time where the job market was was pretty bleak. It was like 2007, 2008. And I said, hey, man, like, you know, people are asking me to train them like, you know, you've been my mentor with training and like, I don't know how to run a business. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that I have a lot of time on my hands and I know that I'm willing to work. So do you want to put something together? <laughs> and, wow. um, and I think the question that I, this is how I started the partnership with Joe. I said, Hey man, when, when you go away, like who's here to train others? Like, how do you make money when you go away? And I don't it, it stumped him. And I was like, well, when you go away, like maybe I could train people. And then it was, you know, one thing led to the next yeah. and uh, 15 wow. years later, here we are.
0: Yeah, that's it. I didn't know that. So it kind of started, Dan, by you um, referring Joe clients, right? That's kind of how it yeah. started. And almost like it's almost like the thing we talk about in, in the gym was of, of angels, right? Of like, mm-hmm. is there one person that's feeding you, you know, a lot of clients? And I guess that Joe made you pay attention to someone like like a Dan, that you know yeah. he he was providing value you know, for well, your I, business, yeah.
1: Dan had Dan had he was I think he was delivering Chinese food for a Chinese food restaurant. Like that as this hard awesome. time summer <laughs> job, right? So Dan this. would be rolling around like, "Yo, I got to get the place." The name of the place is Hanami. He'd be like, "Yo, I got to get to work. I got go to go Hanami. I'm del- uh, I'll
0: be d- delivering that." God, job how bad did night, you, how right? bad did your car smell after that? Had, oh my god! How
2: much you know how much Chinese food I was eating it was ridiculous. Staying, at <laughs> I, I
0: can't Wasn't Wait, wasn't hard. I can't but. imagine that delivery. So I, would you pick up Chinese food, it's in your car for like Seven minutes to drive from the chat. Oh. Your car reeks for a week. Listen, what uh, what could yeah. your
2: car have smelled like My car already was
0: <laughs> in like PO yeah, yeah. and cleats. The car of an old. It wine. smelled like a locker room. It smelled like, it smelled smelled like old,
1: old pads. It probably improved you know? it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, there was, there was, I do remember like one conversation that I had with Dan. And I remember Dan telling me he wanted to kind of do this. He was really thinking hard, talking to his dad about like starting a business. And he thought about, you know, the gym thing. And he, and he had mentioned, you know, doing something with me. And I said, look, man, like, you, you know, if you want to show me, you want to, you want to prove to me that you can sell and that you can get clients, like you can make some introductions. And, you know, the next day he rolled up with a car full of little kids, his brother and a bunch of them was like, get in there and train you bunch of pansies. Right. And, and, and so I trained his brother and like a group of like, let's call it 10 or 12 young kids that were like, let's call it that 11, 12, 13 year old group. Um, for I've trained them, we, me and Dan trained them after we started, we trained them all the way through college. Like half those kids went to college and some of them, like a, one of them, Andrew Trimbetti, went to the pros, like went to Notre Dame and then went to the pros. Right. So we had a great group of kids. Dan, like I said, Dan's mom was a teacher. Dan had Dan knew a lot of the high school coaches and he wasn't afraid to, to, to ask. Right. And we always talk about sales and marketing. You know, if you don't ask, you don't get. So, you know, Dan would just roll up to a coach, hey, you know, coach, blah blah blah. You know, I'm I'm Danny Goodman. You know, my mom works in the school. Hey, yeah, I know that. Blah blah blah. Hey, think I get a meeting with you and, you know, uh, my friend Joe who owns a gym. He's doing some great stuff with the kids, right? And and that would be it. And you know, we shake hands. And you know, next thing you know, we're training a bunch of teams and a bunch of kids. At That's the time,
2: awesome. too, like one thing for for people listening is like, if you don't ask, you don't get. And and sometimes it's just like the. Vince, you've brought this up. It's like, well, what's the best that could happen if you go out and ask? It's like, well, you get the meeting and you get the opportunity to sell your services and provide value. And what's the worst that could happen? They say no. And when I was 21 or 22, I didn't give a shit. I was like, so say no. I don't give a crap. You know, (laughs) like so (laughs)
0: uh,
2: people need more of that.
0: That's awesome. I want to I want to flash forward to because I do want to shine the light on how things are going. And I know things are going really great for you guys right now. Um, The partnership started, what year did the partnership start in officially? 09 officially. So 09 officially. So you've been business partners from 09 till today. So I I do want to get to the question of, I do know that a lot of people are listening to this, do have business partnerships. They maybe run the business with their wife or they run the business with a partner. And I have seen... In just the five years that I've been working with you guys, I think you guys had a good partnership before, mm-hmm. but I have seen a huge difference in the way that the two of you work together and you guys mm-hmm. just make it work mm-hmm. really well. So I do want to get to that, but tell us where, and this could be either Dan or Joe, um, just give us a snapshot of what the business looks like uh, today and give us a little bit of an insight to where where you guys are going. Uh, Dan, why don't you hit that? I mean, you're you're more in tune with the numbers than I am.
2: So, I mean, from a mission standpoint, our mission is something we'll have a town hall meeting today, and it's something that we, we reiterate to our team all the time. Uh, as as Hashi says, is clarity is kind. People mm-hmm. understanding what is in the pipeline. It's the same thing for your clients. Clients have to know there has to be anticipation on the timeline the same way there has to be anticipation on the timeline for people that work in your business, including yourself, and most importantly for your business partner if you have one so right now in the po- we're in the pocket of a growth phase of in the next 3 years um we're going to have three gyms that consistently serves over 500 people in Bergen and Rockland County because our area deserves results driven training that greatly improves their day and like that's that's how we start every single meeting so we know exactly where we're going in terms of that growth phase we, are, we have two gyms, Varsity House Gym in Orangeburg, which is our headquarters and where all of our offices are. We have Varsity House Personal Training, and the first rendition of that is in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And the third one is, uh, is coming end of 23, early 24. Um, and uh, that's where we're at today in terms of our partnership and things like that. One thing that you've helped us with tremendously, Vince. Oh, five, hold on, you're... Dan. Dan, oh, before before
0: ahead. you get to the partnership thing, I want yeah. you to just tell us the difference between VHHQ, okay, and VH personal training, and why you did not, why okay. you decided to do it that way. And yep. this is, I think, this is very important for okay. people to hear. Um, why you decided not to open up another yeah. monstrosity? Well,
2: I mean. <laughs> You brought it up on a podcast and, and I do believe Bedros said it, but when we first set out initially here, our 10 year target, when we set it out in like 2000 and we didn't do it in 2009, maybe we did it in 2011. We're like, Hey, we want to be a seven figure facility. We want to own the property. We want to do team training, combine training, uh, adult fitness sessions. We want to be a one-stop shop. We want to do a million bucks like plus. And, um, at that time we didn't realize like we weren't thinking about profitability we weren't thinking about efficiency we were thinking bigger better scale. and that's it and we were thinking scale in one space and to the quote it's revenue feeds the ego and profit feeds the family we were not thinking about feeding the family because we didn't have families we just were, were like we're fucking we're, sorry i don't know if you could curse on you're the good. show but you're
0: good you're
2: good um <laughs> You know, we, we, all we cared about was driving and we were working like dogs. But what we, once we realized like, oh my God, like there's, there's only so many of us and we can't possibly scale this to two, three, four, five locations in the way in which we do things right now. So we stripped it down. We said, well, what's the thing that makes us the most money, the best ROI uh, per hour that needs the least amount of resources, both in terms of people and cash. And that was uh, small group, personal training. So
1: we were also, went, it was also the product that we thought gave the yeah, best results to, best to results. clients in that 40, in that 35 to 65 year old range, people need hand holding. They need a coach, they need accountability. And they need someone to tell them what to do. You know, the boot camp yeah. classes fade out real quick. And we were like, we knew where that was going. So,
2: and even for athlete training, like, once it gets above six or eight people in a session with one coach, it's like, how, how efficient really is it? How much, uh, how many coaching points are people actually getting in the context of an hour? So we decided to, um, to venture off and do our, our, our small group training model in a 1200 to 2000 square foot space, one session, one coach. And, um, you know, the results so far both from a client experience standpoint have been excellent and from a business standpoint have been excellent. And the growth phase for our business beyond just the next three years uh, is going to be varsity house, personal training, the smaller studio model that only services small group, personal training.
0: So I think that's brilliant. And so for you guys listening at home, they have this really, they have, uh, how many square feet do you guys have in HQ? It's
1: 10,000 in 10,000 out.
0: So we have a big outdoor like so pavilion
1: and, and indoor and outdoor training turf and all that type of stuff. Yeah.
0: It, it's, it's, it's an incredible facility and they own the building. They own the land that the thing is on. So they're, these guys are not just, they're not meatheads like me. They're just, they're savvy business people um, that are owning real estate and thinking, but they they had the mindset of taking their most profitable thing and then expanding that as opposed to taking, I think well, a lot of people listening to this, like, all right, I, I got this gym and we do athletes and we do adults. And it's like, all right, I'll open up a second location. And they just try to do that. Now, there's some people that can do that. Like Mark Ennis is doing it, Definitely. right? It was defying the odds of yeah. it, right? Um, but I think what you guys have done is 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 very intelligent and very smart through taking, um, that concept and expanding that. So you have to take a deep look
1: at your, at your personnel too. Like again, and, and, you know, Mark's not here to talk about his specific business, but I know, I know he's, he's got some, he's got family involved, his brother, he's got some other people, right. And he's been able to replicate that in other markets, you know, you know, cause you're a Jersey guy too. This market's tough, man. There's, there's some big players all over the place here like there's yeah. big gyms with big money all over the place so if you go into that game you're going against companies that have you know millions and millions if not billions like you know like a like the lifetimes of the world and the the equinoxes of the world and now we just had our first um uh d1 open up locally which is kind of really? like a varsity That's house interesting. Looking they're like, still yeah. opening yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't I don't hear anything coming out of their camp, but they, they were aggressively targeting us and, and and marketing similar to us when they opened up. Right. And um, so, again, if you, if you stay in that game, you still need hundreds and hundreds of clients to fill those facilities. Right. Where it's like, all right, great. And you know, Ridgewood, I need 100 people in a town of 27,000, need 100 people that like our vibe, you know, and that's really, you know, Smart. that was the differentiation for us. Beautiful.
0: Uh, Dan, what were you going to say?
2: So one thing we were so dead set on at that time, like early, like 2011, 2012, it was like seven figure gyms, seven figure gyms. Like that's all you ever heard. So it was like, well, if we want to be a real player, we have to be a seven figure gym. And to somebody that's like sports reformists or speaking to somebody like, like Mark efficiency should be the goal. So don't keep adding for the sake of adding. You don't have to do seven figures in one space. If sports performance is your thing, well, then maybe it's you find a space that you can efficiently run sports performance. It doesn't need to be 20,000 square feet with three rentals and huge locker rooms. It's like trim it down, scale it down, get leaner and be more profitable doing half a million dollars a year. And go do it again in a different space because one thing that I know, if I could go back in time, it would have been easier for us to scale two places to do to break a million than it took us, you know, to to break a million in one place because you're sure. pulling from three miles from that location, and um, you can only pull you can only uh, pull and extract so much from those localized three miles. It would I, I have think been... it's
0: uh, Warren Buffett. That said, and I'm 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 probably getting the numbers wrong, um, but he said, "I all day long I'll take a ten million dollar business doing fifteen percent margins over a twenty million dollar business doing five percent margins," right? And it's just like, all right, like if Warren Buffett's, you know, saying that, and I was the same way, like when sure. I was getting started, like the oh seven figure gym, seven figure mm-hmm. gym, and it's like after a while you realize like okay yeah like the, the the bigger i get it the more payroll we have and the more mm-hmm. things we got to do and um so i think that as you get older and wiser you you appreciate uh profitability much more i want to get into the partnership because For i sure. think that there's a ton of value in here um talk about the evolution of the partnership like you guys started right and you know dan you were a college kid and joe you were obviously the mm-hmm. guy Right. But then you became business partners yeah. and like talk about the evolution of it to where it is, you know, sure. uh, today. So, I mean, it's like for me,
1: I, I don't know. I think Dan and I have always I have a I can and you you know me pretty well at this point. I can be pretty um, tense and intense. Right. I, I I'm, I'm I'm go 100 miles an hour all day, you know, up at 430, you know, bed by eight 30, if I'm not moving, I'm dying. Right. And that's seven days a week. Right. And, and, but I've always been an educator and I've always loved education. I've, I loved my time in college and I love teaching. Right. And I was teaching before I opened up the gym. Right. So I was adjuncting and training is teaching. Right. And it's really just a different form of it. You know, instead of teaching anatomy and physiology or history or something, you know, you're, you're teaching people how to train. Right. And I love coaching. I love sports. So kind of those things went together. And and so I I think that, you know, I, I, I was very open to the idea of, of bringing somebody in and giving them an opportunity. Dan was motivated. He was, his personality was great. He had connections in the community, which obviously, you know, I, 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 from a business standpoint, you know, there was definitely a thought process. Like I can leverage his connections. Um, And, and, and I also knew that I was 10 years older. Right. So again, I was 30 at the time. Dan was 20. Right? when we started the business officially, he was like 21, 22, I was 32 and 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 I was like, well, this is great because I got this young guy who uh, who is you know hungry and eager and hasn't has no mileage on him basically, right and I could I can work it and and so th- that was part of the thought process. So the number one thing for me, I think anybody going into partnerships is and Dan and I've talked to a lot of other partnerships about this, you have to be accepting and open. To a partnership, and you have to. It's like it's like dating an, uh, uh, you know, it's like marrying your spouse, right? Everybody's spouse has a few things that they don't that you don't like, right? But I you, don't. You, I
0: don't have any of those. But a hundred percent. I don't know what you're talking. I, I don't know about, what you're talking about, but honey. If you're listening, there's nothing. There's nothing. Thankfully,
1: my wife will not be listening to this, right? But she's perfect in every single way, right? But the reality is, is that there's always these little things that you know. Let's call these idiosyncrasies. And the problem with most partnerships and the same goes for personal relationships is that people hone in on those negative idiosyncrasies instead of looking at all the positive things that they do. And Dan had just had a ton of positives. Of course, there were things that we butt ahead about, of course there were differences differences in our personalities and the way in which we conducted ourselves. I was older. I was different. I had worked a lot more up until that point. I had, I was used to getting up at five in the morning to be at a gym by 6. AM and stuff like that. You know, those things were difficult for him at first, right? You know, and, and, and so, so, you know, that acceptance of each other and, and Dan is, you know, you know, Dan, Dan is the opposite of me. So we made a great yin and yang. He, he's a lot more laid back. And I think again, for him, it's like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to take some shit sometimes from, from, from this guy, knowing that, you know, I'm I got to prove myself. Dan's a competitor. You know, and Dan showed up every day to compete. And that's what I loved about him more than anything. And I think Mike was very similar to that. And because him and Mike were similar age, they competed a lot against each other. And and Mike didn't want to lose. I mean, Dan didn't want to lose at the battle. And, and if I made some sales, Dan was on the phone trying to make sales. You know, if I was kicking ass in a training session, he would turn the volume up and I'd hear him yelling on the other side of the gym. And it was like he was trying to, you know, I'll show you how good of a coach I am too. Right. So that was a big part of it. And then, um, you know, so acceptance is a big thing. And I think just, just always being willing to have an open and honest conversation. I've never been maybe once or twice. I'll say now I won't say never, but I don't think I've ever really, you know, had the ego where i was like this is my fucking gym. i started this place you know and you know and and throw that at him in the same way that you know a a lot of like husbands and wives will get in the fights and they'll threaten divorce and things like that and we i don't think we've i don't think ben and i have ever even uttered the words like this shit's not working i'm out of here you know if you don't do what i tell you to i'm leaving i'll throw your ass out of here like we've never spoken to each other that way and that respect has gone obviously a long way
0: Yeah. I I think you made some really good points there, Joe. Um, And it's funny. It reminds me of, um, we read a book as a GFP team called Leadership and Self-Deception. And there was Mm -hmm. this concept, um, it was all about dealing with people, right? And it was this concept called being in the box. And when you were in the box with somebody, um, it basically said, when you're in the box with somebody, you inflate their faults. And then Mm. you inflate your own virtues. Uh, That's great. Right. And so when that happens, when you inflate their faults and you inflate their and you inflate your own virtues, you are in the box and it is impossible for you to get, be in a relationship with that person because you're just solely, it's exactly what you just said. Yeah. right and i think that that's that's the problem in most marriages right most marriages you're in the box with your spouse because you're looking at all the things they do wrong mm-hmm. and you're justifying all the things that you do right right and that is a concept for a a failing relationship and it seems to be that part of the success that you guys have had is that is that you are not in the box with each other you don't inflate Dan's faults. Dan, you don't inflates Joe's faults and we know he's got them and we yep. know you've got them. I know I've certainly got them, right? If Vanessa inflated my faults, oh man, it would be over a long time ago. Yes. Right. Um, so I think that that's a really good point for people listening at home, whether it's with your significant other or whether it's with a business partnership, Joe, that was a, a, a beautiful point to focus on the things that are good about uh, the person that you're partnering with, Dan, um, you got one more thing, Joe?
1: Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I was going to just add to this cause you know, Dan and I, it's funny, you know, especially now that Dan's gotten a little bit older and I would say like, you know, once, you know, I, you know, not that he wasn't equal with me and nothing like that, but you know, once, once, once you get married and have kids, right. And now Dan's, you know, 37 years going to be going to be 38. In, in, in a month, right? And, and oh no, sorry, Dan, 30, 37, 37, gonna be 37. I'll be 47 this summer, right? The difference in age really at this point is is minuscule, means nothing, right? And, and one of the things that Dan and I have always honed in on with people in our, in character, right? When we'd be in groups, we'd be at training mentorships or business mentorships and things like that, are the guys that come up to us and talk to us about their extramatical extramarital Excorts and stuff like that. You know, oh, I was out with these girls, there's this or my wife's a bitch and all this type of stuff. Right. And I think to myself and Dan and I would always go back to our rooms and say to ourselves like, man, like I, what a, what a piece of garbage that guy must be in his real life. Like to be, to be out like that and, in, and to speak openly to a person that you barely know about your most intimate relationship with your wife or your friends or whatever, and that would drive us insane. And this happens all the time. And you see that all the time. And one of the things that I'm I try to be super careful of, and I know Dan's very good with it, is like, I, I would, I would, I'm not gonna go out and talk to people. Like, of course, like you know, we're busting chops in a room. That's different. If like Dan's there to defend himself, but I never I have never skunked Dan or talked shit about Dan or undermined Dan or, or thought that I, you know, could get one over on Dan. And I think that that's again my relationship with Dan, the second I signed those papers right? It was like signing my marriage license with my wife. And, and that's how I thought I've thought about it every single day, right? If I get that divorced from Dan, it's going to be a big fucking problem. There's going to be a lot of money lost. There's going to be a lot of time and energy lost. And it, it me and Dan breaking up would almost be the same thing as me and my wife, Fidel getting divorced. Right. And, and I ain't trying to lose half my shit. So you might as well try and figure
0: it out. <laughs> so, uh, it's funny, it, Joe. You're bringing up all these things that are making me think about this. Um, but there's a there's a concept in in I believe it's Japanese culture um, called wife fearing, and basically uh, in Japanese culture, the man the the success that a man has is in direct proportion to how much he fears his wife, and if the man who treats his wife—I think they use the word "dog" in the book, right? Mm-hmm. the The book is uh, it, it, the book is a crazy book. It's a—it's. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read Thick Face, Black Heart, but it's by mm. a Japanese businesswoman. But it's really, really good. Thick Face, Black Heart. Um, no one's no one's heard of it, but when I talk about yeah. it, um, but it's really good. And it's like, I found this chapter and it was like the very back page of the book and the title of his wife hearing, And it talked about how the man who treats his wife like a dog or the man who treats his wife poorly is basically a peasant. Like, and has zero se- self respect for himself and will be poor and unsuccessful for the rest of his life because of the way he treats his wife. Right? Oh, yeah. And I just thought that was it, 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 a lot of the things you guys are talking about can be very, very much applied to marriage. Like, w- if Joe all of a sudden, every other day, it's like, I started this thing and this is my thing and you're just here, like, it just wouldn't work, right? Yeah. It wouldn't work. And so, you know, kudos, Joe, to you for, for making this thing you know, work so well by not doing what you obviously naturally could have easily, you know, of uh, done, but that's, I uh, definitely think I did it once <laughs> or
1: twice, you know, in the very beginning, you know, Dan and I, I think Dan and I almost came to fisticuffs like one time, right? Like we, we, uh, and, oh, and oh
0: so, so who would win? It?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I, Dan's a tough son of a bitch. I, 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 I have, you know, a, a significantly more, uh, fight training and skill, But uh I definitely wouldn't want to get punched in the face. Dan and I did some Muay Thai together and he cracked my nose and I kicked him in the nuts.
0: And uh you know, but so uh, so I'll ask Dan then. Dan, who would win? No comment.
2: Ah I gotta vote. I gotta go for the old guy. The thing is, is if you if you enter any fight thinking you're not gonna win, you're not gonna win. That's That's
1: true. That's true. That's good. I would
2: hope that he would say him, and I would sure I, I sure think me so so that so uh, then it's not no
0: comment no
2: right well i mean so it's so it's not no comment you said you're saying you would win well you pressed me so (laughs) i would win oh you would okay all right (laughs) so i i always like to
0: like instigate these because they they bring up like mini main events at the mastermind meetings where we could like set these things up (laughs) you should start doing Uh,
2: the uh box like a boxing match yeah
0: charity boxing yeah very good Good. Awesome. Well, that's great stuff on the uh, on the partnership here. We're winding down on time because I know both of you um, have got to go. Very quickly, let's get to uh, one quick tactical thing. You guys are do a great job, right? Of uh, uh, of taking some of the things that you learn and going and implementing immediately. I know you've had some big hits, you know, in the last several years. Can, what are some of the things that you've done uh, from a marketing perspective, uh, sales perspective, whatever, um, to to really ring the register and get a bunch of new clients uh, in the door? What are things that you could share uh, with the audience that you've had uh, success with in the past?
2: Joe, you want to take uh, marketing
1: here? Uh, so like, I, I would say the biggest thing, I mean, it's kind of a little bit separate from marketing and sales as a, as an actual tactic. I'll get to that. But I think, From a strategic standpoint, it was really honing into, you know, the systems and the people behind those two seats and making sure that we had extreme clarity on what we were looking for and what our numbers needed to be in order to hit. Right. So I think, you know, before you start going out and throwing out 50,000 marketing tactics, which there are right? You have to know, you know, what your goals are, where you're trying to go and what success looks like to you. So, you know, whether you're a really good copy. I happen to like to write. So writing emails is a thing that I was able to, to dive into and be pretty good at. And I can do consistently with not a ton of effort where somebody else makes a boatload of like, oh my God, I hate writing. I hate doing these emails. And it becomes a chore. So you have to find what works for you. And you really got to know your numbers. And the second part of that strategy side is you have to have somebody holding you accountable. And Dan has really, really, really done a masterful job in the last year and a half, like pushing, you know, keeping the thumb on, on everybody in a sense. And that constant gentle pressure that we always talk about in our in our group uh, uh, discussions, Vince, has been has been a game changer, even for me. I'm a creative mind. I'm the type of person who, you know, I just want to create and write and do videos and, and, and I love that type of stuff. And even I need to get smacked in the face sometimes and, like, hey, man, like, you know, what's the goal? Where are you at? This needs to get done by these days. So that's been a great thing. And on the marketing side for me, it's, it's consistency, right? Consistency mm-hmm. wins the game, right? So whatever you're going to do, do it consistently. So when people I say hey you got to get some emails out, do you do emails? No, I don't do emails, right? It's like, okay, well, let's start to do emails. Okay, I'm going to do th- how, how many? Should I do 3 a week? It's like, why don't we just start with like one a week and and do it for a year, right? Give me 52 really great emails this year and build an asset bank of 52 awesome emails that you could, you know, that you could turn into social posts, that you could turn into a blog, that you could put on your website and things like that. So one of the big takeaways that I got from you Vince was anything that you create, bank it and turn it into an asset and use it multiple times over. Right. And, and that's kind of, so my long format creation are the emails that I write. And then I take those emails and they get transmutated into social media posts. And then I take those emails and I do quick little videos. And then I take those emails and I elaborate them on them even more. And I might even do an in-service for my team or my community, right? So I'll do a live, say, hey, we're going to talk about the, you know, five things you need to do to improve your sleep. And I'm going to do a little Zoom webinar for our community, right? So you can continue to reuse the idea over and over and over again in multiple facets. And that consistency's really started to pay dividends where we were initiative three years, four years ago, I think it's now, Vince, I think we've been working with you in the SPF for about four, almost five years or so. Years. And and, yeah. and and so we were super heavy initiative-based marketing when we started, right? It was one big initiative to the next, six-week transformation, open enrollment for athletes, summer speed performance camp, you know? 6 week transformation in the fall and this process will it repeat itself. So massive pile of marketing for 2 to 4 weeks, ghost for, you know, 2 to 4 weeks, heavy marketing. And now it's 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 the majority of it is evergreen marketing. It's 3 emails a week, a social media post every day, newsletter every month, videos, right? And all this is laid out and then when we have a big initiative like a six week transmission, a sweepstakes, a new year's promo or something like that, we just point all the lasers to the same aiming point and 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 hit it hard for two or three weeks. And the role is, has gone much, much, you know, the 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 client role is just exploded. And and and, and ads too, you know. Now now that we you know and then once you get to a certain part size of business, you know, you don't need ads to get to a certain level. But once you get to a certain level, let's call it a million dollars or more to get to the next level, you're going to have to start spending some money too. And we yeah. started, we we never had an ad budget either. Like when we came to you, we got to a million dollar gym with zero ad spent, you know? Right. So so for everybody listening, like, you know, if you if you got a $250,000 gym, you do not have to go out and spend three grand a month on Facebook ads right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Good. Well, this, this turned out exactly as I thought it would some, I I have a bunch of notes here that I'm writing down and I'll put these, these takeaways, you know, Dan, both you and Joe uh, did a great job of giving us some really good takeaways uh, from the podcast. I want to end with this because I know you both have to roll. Um, I want to end with this and maybe I'll just give it to Dan. Um, Where was varsity house before you joined SPF and then, where where does it like right now? That's my question that we'll end so, with. So
2: telling the story, one of the first times we ever got in a room with you, Vince, I was dragging my feet because um, you know, I was the one that was slow to warm to thinking that we needed a coach because, you know, we knew it all. Um, but one of the very i I still remember it at embassy suites, Berkeley Heights, going there. And you're like, so talk to me about your accountability chart of who does what in your business. And Joe and I could not clearly answer that. And everybody did a little bit of everything. And we were blurred and we were a chaotic, confused business. And we didn't, you know, we knew we were working hard. We knew we were making money, but Nothing was clear. There was no efficiency. We didn't know our numbers, um, and that was a business that was doing seven figures. Uh, the best thing that that you have done for us and SPF has done for us is created clarity of jobs of who does what and when, and uh, whatever we say we're going to deliver on, there's accountability to make sure that it actually gets delivered upon. And you know, the last thing for that is, and I really truly do believe in the mastermind principle now as somebody that's been through it um, and has been a part of it for years is that experience comes from there's two ways you gain experience. Is like you it's the time under tension like training you got to do it you got to show up you got to develop your own scar tissue and you just got to plow forward and keep going Um, or you can go find a mentor that's already done that and they can expedite your growth forward and uh, you had gone through many of the things that we wanted to do. And uh, it definitely expedited our like we had taught, we were doing small group training and, you know, had a few people doing it, we had no idea what we were doing. And then the first year of doing it, we went from like maybe five or 10 clients to 100. And now today, uh, talking to you in, in our company, there's there's almost 300 people doing small group personal training.
0: How many was there before?
2: five or 10, you know, so um, it's one of those things where the mentorship has expedited our growth timeline where had we never come to you and just listened to a podcast or read articles, we'd probably have a lot more than five or 10. But there's certainly no way that we would have 300. So uh, that's what the mastermind has done for us. And from an accountability standpoint and from a speed of implementation standpoint, uh, you don't know what you don't know. And the only way to to develop those skills is to go to somebody that knows or has been there, done that, or it's just going to take yeah. you a lot more time to figure it out.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, I got one more thing. I want to throw it your yeah. way, Vince. And I really do appreciate everything you've done for us and the group. But uh, you know, what I think the real mastery in the group is is what you don't do and, and, and what you don't do a lot is, is is talk a lot, right? Vince does an amazing job giving us great lessons and leading the way, but he really gives, um, the other people in the group, the majority of the floor time. And, and I think most of us know what the answers are to the problems that we have. We just need to, we just need the time and the clarity and let's call it the clear space to be able to express them and talk it out amongst each other. And it's amazing once we all get in a room, how you know the idea generation just starts to flow and things happen. And you know, we get to the end of like a CEO mastermind. I'm like, I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Like Vince does an amazing job, but like 90% of it is is just giving people a space where they can speak their mind openly in a group of people that are going through the same trouble. So kudos to you, kudos to the group. You guys yeah. have become great friends and, uh, and, and, you know, it's been an, ama- an amazing
0: experience for us for sure. Well, I will say that we have had a, a lot of fun. That those, <laughs> I really look forward to. And there's like, there's all kinds of chop busting oh, that goes on. And it's, uh, you know, seeing you guys four times a year in the CEO groups and those small meetings that we have and go in places like Montana and Colorado and San Diego. Um, it's been a ton of fun. And you guys have been there the entire time. You know so <laughs> me, and ha-
1: me, me and me and hasshi are doing a virtual ruck this weekend uh, you know he, he's breaking my chops that he's was oh, that, yeah. that this weekend is that this weekend because yeah. oh he
0: texted me about that so I, he's I'm trying apparently... to go
1: 12 miles and under 12 minute miles I'm like I'm like well I'm not I'm gonna come in at my
0: 15 but but <laughs> you do yeah. yeah he's been pushing he's oh, been he's... pushing the 12 minute miles what, what is that the fourth uh the Sunday fifth? Sunday the fifth, all right yeah. all right uh is Goodman doing it I don't think I'm so. I'm
2: doing a half marathon May 6th. You guys can show up for that or Bear, Vince you could do that
0: Bear Mountain. It's the Spartan race.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Joe Desena's doing that. Yeah, That's
0: Joe DeS- well, and Joe Desena speaking at the Orlando Marathon. Yeah, yeah. Race. Yeah,
1: we're doing we're doing the I'm doing I'm doing the 50k race. Dan's going to do the half marathon. We have some people in the gym doing a half marathon. When's the half death? May 6th. May 6th. Yeah, that I think, yeah, I think you started. I think it's a nine. I think the half marathon starts at nine or something like that. Got so, yeah. Joe, Joe's got They're something around. in store for me. Cause we're going to, you know, when we go to Colorado in June, Joe's like, yeah, Yo, if you're into it, you know, we could, we could hike the Manitou and then go straight to Pike's peak. And I
0: said, yes. And he's like, it's like 16 miles each way. I was like, Oh, <laughs> you could do that. Could. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll make yeah. it happen. <laughs> awesome guys. Uh, this was awesome. I have so many good notes here. We'll definitely get this out. And I know this will be so much value to the listeners of the podcast appreciate you both very much you're both tremendous guys tremendous gym owners both fathers um husbands and just just good people that i like hanging around with so appreciate you both and awesome job today same 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 to you see you man what's up guys thanks so much for listening do me a favor and go ahead and subscribe to the podcast this way you'll get notified when we get new episodes come out and if you really really loved it I'd truly appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating. So thanks so much. If you're looking for more free stuff uh, from me, head over to com. You'll get a free copy of my marketing book. And just head over to com, and I'll send you a copy. Thanks.